It's good to be here. We, were, uh, we have a prayer time at 9.15. Everybody's welcome to every morning at the Kids Space Room. And we were praying that the right people would be here today, knowing it's Labor Day and a lot of people are traveling. And I really believe that's true. I believe that the right people are here. And it's a, just God, just really sense God's presence here this morning, bringing encouragement and lifting us up. And I'm excited about us being here together and what God's doing in our lives. And those of you who are students, um, welcome to a new semester. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Jonathan Hupp, and I get to serve as pastor here. And we're just so excited about coming alongside you, whether you're a student or a family member person or whatever, and helping you in your walk with God and believing that he has a great purpose for this season of your life right now. And today we're kicking off just kind of a, a two-week mini-series we're doing called The King Jesus Gospel. And when you hear the word gospel, we may have different images or connotations that come up. It's like, what is gospel? Is that a kind of music? Is that, well, yeah, it is a kind of music. But when we oftentimes have a false understanding of what the gospel is. And we're going to unpack that a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Because really, our understanding of the gospel is sometimes, oftentimes is so much less than what the message of the gospel really is that God has given us. That, that changes things. The gospel is an epic story. Sometimes we think of the gospel as like this transaction, like, okay, pray this prayer, it's the plan of salvation, just say the right words, and then your sins are forgiven, and you'll go to heaven when you die. We think the gospel is about going to heaven when you die. The gospel is not just about going to heaven when you die. The gospel is about the story of what God has been doing in the world from the very beginning of creation, and where he's going, and how he invites us to be part of that. And the word gospel in the, in the New Testament, it's the, the Greek word, yungel, ah, I knew I was going to, I didn't, I tw tongue twister there. Yungelian, it's where we get the word evangelism. But it's, it's always, it's a proclamation of a new king. It's the proclamation that there is a new king who's been coronated. And so it's not so much about us and going to heaven, but it's about King Jesus coming to the earth and establishing his kingdom and inviting us to be part of his kingdom right now, not just when we die, but starting right now and then expanding his kingdom. In, in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus was talking and he said, this gospel of the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom, not just gospel of personal salvation, but gospel of the kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. And so he's saying this, this message of the gospel, this message of the kingdom, will be preached throughout the whole world. And that's, but it's not just about us or our personal salvation, but it's a king who's come and he's establishing his kingdom. There's a little diagram here that kind of shows that. And this is all just, just backdrop, but really the gospel is like this. It's, it's about God's story is the base. It's God's story, and that's tied in with the story of God's people. In the Old Testament, that was the nation of Israel. And then it's, it hits its fulfillment, really, in the person of Jesus, the new king who came to the earth and through his life and teaching and then his death and resurrection, he brought his kingdom and made a way for us to come into his kingdom. And then inside of that, then, is the plan of salvation and then a method of persuasion that we appeal to other people, hey, you need to, like, join this kingdom. There is a kingdom. There is a new king. And God's calling you to be part of that. But sometimes we just take the first top two parts of that diagram and think it's the whole picture. But that's just the kind of the icing on the cake. Um, 
really our, our goal as a church is not measured by what happens on Sunday mornings or how many people are in this room or any of that, but it's our mission is to, to multiply a band of storytellers who are going out, who are so gripped by this story of Jesus and what God is doing and who Jesus is and what his death and resurrection has accomplished. We're so gripped by it that we can't help telling that story, just like when you see a great movie. You want to tell people about that story. Even more so, we are called to be people that are gripped by that story and then spread it all around. In, in Acts 12, verse 24, telling the story of the early church, we read that the word of God continued to spread and flourish. And in Acts, that's the story of the book of Acts, of the church growing. It was that person after person was encountering God in a real way and hearing the message of Jesus and the story of God, the message of King Jesus, and their life was changing. And then they were telling their friends and their family members and their co-workers. And then they were being transformed by that story and by a new relationship with God. And then they were telling their friends. And then it spread all over the place. And so that's, that's really what we're all about is being a people who are spreading that story. And we're going to kind of hit on a couple aspects of that this morning and next week. And then actually the week after that, we're starting a, a series going through the book of Romans in the New Testament, which is a, a book of, that's specifically all about the gospel. It's all about the good news. We're calling it Romans, good news for everyone, because that's another meaning of gospel. Is it's a message that is good news. And so we're going to break that down. We're going to be starting some small groups that dive into it more further, um, more fully. But we have a few other opportunities. I just want to throw these out there for everybody to know about. So for you to become a master at telling this King Jesus gospel, telling the story. Um, next week, we actually, next Sunday afternoon, it's going to be at our house, which is 2846 Oregon Lane, from 2 to 3.30 in the afternoon. We're having, we call these small group trainings. They used to call them catalyst meetings. And this is a place for people that are, that are in the place of saying, I'm, I want, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want to help other people follow Jesus too. And do that in a context of small groups. Once a month we meet. And next month, next, next week, not next month, next Sunday, that's going to be our focus is learning the story of Jesus, the story of King Jesus, and then telling it to others. So everybody's invited to come to that. Um, the, the week after that, we're having a Knowing God class, which is similar. We go over the story, and then we practice it. That's, that's right after church um, with lunch from 12, from 12 to 1.30. And then we also have these Knowing God books that are the same thing. It's about the story of King Jesus and how to really learn it and apply it to your life. You can grab one of those on the table for $10 and go through that. Talk to somebody else because it's great to go through that with, with somebody else. It's kind of a workbook. So, all right. That's a lot. I wanted to just throw all that out as kind of big picture. This is the story that God is working. He's telling. He's inviting us to be part of it and inviting us to tell others about it. Today, our, our, our theme, though, within that big story is, is imaging the invisible God. Imaging the invisible God. So we serve a God who's invisible. You can't see him with your naked eye. But there is a way that he makes himself known. There are many ways he makes himself known. But one of the main ways he makes himself known is through people who the Bible says are image bearers of God. And this is our, our main scripture this morning is, is in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. We're going to read this together. 
This is the, the pinnacle, or towards the end of the creation story. So God had made the planets, he would made the animals and the plants and everything we see, and then he made people. And after he made the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, he gave them a mission. And here, here it is, right here. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image. You may notice that God is singular, and it's pretty well known that Christianity believes in, in one God. But God, singular, says let us, plural, make man in our, plural, image. And there's debate about what this is all about. I, my personal suspicion is that this is a reference to the Trinity. Uh, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were together in this creation process um, and saying, no, we are making humankind in, in our image. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Wow, next time you, you're feeling low self-esteem, this is a good thing to remember. Wow, God made us in his image to be like him. I, I think it was Mitchell here, our drummer. Did you, are you the one who posted this? I just saw this on Facebook like yesterday. But there was a sign on a, uh, what's the cheap pizza, $5 pizza? Little Caesars, or God, I think it might have been Godfather's Pizza, actually. Anyway, one of those, doesn't matter. There was a sign on their door because they had realized there was a homeless man who was going to the dumpster behind their restaurant after the doors closed, after business closed, and getting pizza to feed himself. And they put a sign on the door of their business saying, to the person without a home who's been finding food in our dumpster, you are a person. You have value. You don't need to, you should not be getting food out of the trash. So just next time you're hungry, just come inside and let us know you're hungry and we'll give you a pizza and a drink. And you can do that. And I was like, they're onto something there. Like we all know there's something we know humans have value because this is where it comes from. We're made in God's image. So God says, let us make human beings in our image. They will reign over the fish and the sea the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. I'm glad we get to reign over those screen animals, especially when they're squirrels that are getting into our attics and stuff like that. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is important that every person is made in God's image. Young or old, handicapped or unhandicapped, male, female, rich, poor, doesn't matter your level of intelligence, everyone is made in the image of God. Then God blessed the male and female. It's even interesting, I, uh, I, I noticed this kind of getting ready for this message, but a lot of languages have words that have, they're either masculine or feminine. English isn't like this, but Spanish is. Most, a lot of languages are like this. Hebrew, where the Old Testament was written, is, is like that. And it's interesting, even the word image is a masculine word. But then the next phrase where it says, to be like us, that's often translated, God says, we're made in our image and in our likeness. And image is a masculine word, likeness is a feminine word. And I just think that's really cool, that masculine, feminine, that is all a reflection of God's nature. And it's, wo it's no wind into the very creation. 
Then in verse 28, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. There's that scurrying again. You are the image of God. I'm the image of God. That's, that's incredible. We are image bearers. I think about this when I was a kid. Whenever I would meet someone who had known my dad when he was growing up, they would always do the double take and go, oh my goodness, you look just like your dad when he was nine. And I got so tired of it. It was like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever. But then I, sometimes I would, I've seen old black and white pictures of my dad, and it's weird. It's like, that could be me. That really could be me. And we, our kids get the same thing a lot of times. They're like, wow, you look so much like, like your dad. Or, you know, and it, it's fun to like, look at, there's some babies in our church, and I even was, had a conver- heard, heard a couple conversations, Bo's wife, aged, um, Bellamy is sick this weekend, but she was talking about their little one-year-old daughter, Bellamy, and she said, yeah, Bellamy's got Bo's chin. And she actually called it a butt chin, actually. So I'd never heard that term before. I was like, wow, that's great. But you can see, and then Rachel Zima um, was talking about their, her two daughters. She said, yeah, I think one of them might have my head and Rob's body type, and then the other one's the other way around. It's like, okay, that's, I'm kind of curious to watch how this unfolds. I don't know. But we see how we pass on characteristics of ourselves, our image, to, to our children. But with God, it's not a physical thing, but there's something about us that is a reflection of God. It's the, the image of God. And maybe just take a, just a quick minute, grab a pen if you have it. If not, just do this in your own head. But what do you think is a key identity aspect of the image of God in people? Got 10 seconds. Ready? Go. One key aspect of the image of God in people. Or what do you think it means to be image bearers? All right, time's up. I don't know what you wrote down, but a lot of times what we write down is what's called attributes. It's characteristics of us that are like God. And we've got a list of, of some of these here. Some of the, the imaging attributes that, that we, we think of um, are intelligence. These are things people have that are, that are like God. Reasoning ability, emotions, self-awareness, language, conscience, or free will. And another one that's not on here is our, our relational orientation. You know, we're, we're social beings. And a lot of times, um, how many of you, when you wrote something down, wrote down something like one of these? Just no wrong or right, just I'm curious. Yeah, a bunch of hands. A lot of times we think of those things. And those are, these are things that are in us that are like God, but it kind of breaks down because there are other creations of God that have some of these things too, like the dolphins. I remember being in college and people would be like, yeah, dolphins are more intelligent than people. Now, I'm not sure about that, but there is intelligence that animals have and emotions. You know, you, if you had a dog, you've probably seen your dog be sad. The animals have emotions, they're social, so there are, that's not unique. Now, the, the level is unique to people, but the attrib- having the attribute is not unique to people. But the, the other cal- column is unique to people, and this is imaging status. And this really is more core of what being an image bearer is all about. To be made in the image of God 
means we have position, we have a place, we have a purpose, a standing, a title. That's pretty cool. It's not based on, like I said, how intelligent you are, how, how much of these attributes we have, or how good of a day we're having, how good we feel about ourselves, but simply by being the virtue of being made in God's image, we have status as his image bearers. And that is incredible. That's why human life really, really matters. Michael, uh, you know, there's nothing actually in the Bible to suggest that that status or the image of God has been lost. Now, through sin, we've, we've been corrupted. We've lost a lot of the, the level of life that we were made to live. But nothing in the Bible indicates that we've lost the image of God. And so that, that status has been something that God has, has given to us that he doesn't take away. Um, Michael Heiser, in his book, The Unseen Realm, says, Some of our human attributes we share with God, such as intelligence and creativity, the attributes God shared with us are the means to imaging, not the image status itself. Imaging status and our attributes are related, but not identical concepts. So there's a status we've been given. And then there's one aspect, if we look at this, the, what we read in Genesis, it's known as the creation mandate, or the dominion mandate. There's one thing in there that is, there's one thing that is given to people that is only given to people. And what is that? It's where God says, you're going to reign over creation. You're going to rule over creation. It's to, to govern or rule. And so this is an incredible responsibility and privilege that God has given us as people. And being the image of God is, it's both a noun and a verb. We think of it as as a noun, okay, we are the image of God. And that's true. That's, that's a status that is given us that you can't take away from. But if you look at the, the language in the Bible here and the Hebrew, and I'm not an expert in all that, but experts tell me this is true, so I trust them. It's not only a noun, but it's a verb, too. And so it's not only that we have a status, but we have a calling to image God. We have a calling to reflect God's image in the world. And we do that. This whole creation mandate is the way that we are called to live as God's representatives and to bring his image into the world. It's kind of like, an image is like a mirror. And you think about when you're driving down the highway on a backcountry road at night and someone's behind you and they have their brights on and they didn't turn them off. What happens? That bright light shines on your rearview mirror and it's blinding. Right? It's like when that light is directed at the mirror in the right way, it shows it so clearly and so powerfully. And that's really a, a picture of what we're called to be as imagers, is that we are, we are mirrors, but the way we angle our mirror towards God affects how much of his likeness is shown through us. And so there's an aspect of responsibility and intentionality in how we relate to God and reflect him, and then bring his image into the world. And our friends, there's a, there's a ministry called the Bible Project. A lot of us, are, I know, are familiar with this. I, I am not someone who's a bandwagon person. Who's, I 
don't like Christian bookstores or Christian stuff or like bandwagon Christian stuff. Sorry if you own a Christian bookstore. I, I like your Christian bookstore. If you, but I'm not, like, there's just so much, anyway, Christian culture stuff. But this is a ministry I so highly recommend because they do an amazing job of taking the Bible and presenting it in a way that is so compelling and helpful. And so they have a lot of videos. We're going to watch just a, a couple of short clips. And the first one right now talks about this imaging process and what that's intended to look like. So let's go ahead and watch that. What does this mean? I mean, how are we all supposed to rule? So the picture we get in Genesis is gardening. Gardening? Yes, gardening. So they rule the earth by. All right, that's part of a longer video. You can look it up on the Bible Project um, about the image of God. But, yeah, so that's what we're about, we're called to be and do, is to spread um, God's reign through our lives. The other, so, but, so imaging is a status more than an attribute. The other thing about the image of God that it was really radical in the cultures in which it was written is that it's for everyone. Because in ancient cultures, people did have the idea that there were people who were the image of God or the image of the gods. But those people were the kings. They saw kings as the image of God. Sometimes they were called the son of God or son of a certain God. They were considered to be special people that had attributes of the gods. And they were on earth as the representative. But really, they, people had to just submit to them, and do what, like, basically help that king have a great kingdom, and do whatever they needed, but it was all about that king, really, and so there was like, yeah, I'm, I'm the image of God, you peons listen, and you're part, you just serve, but the radical thing about the Bible, and God's purpose, is that the image of God is for everybody, in Revelation, it talks about all of us are, in Jesus, we're kings and priests. And so this imaging is not just for a few. There's another little picture. Yeah, it's like we all have our scepter. We're all kings and priests. The images of God going out into the world, expanding his kingdom. Now, there is this factor of sin. And so it's not just like, hey, everything's good. But no, sin messed things up. When Adam and Eve sinned, that messed up the creation. It messed up their lives. When we sin, it messes up our lives. And we have been corrupted because, because of sin. And so people do, they inherently will rule the creation. That's just part of who we are. But because of sin, a lot of our ruling leads to things like war, pollution, the destruction of the environment, destruction of relationships. We, our selfishness destroys and hurts the world around us. And we're going to get into this a little bit more next week. Um, but we will, we will rule. We will affect others in the world around us. That's just how God made us. 
But the question is, what sort of impact will, we, we, will our lives bring? Um, Romans 3.23 says this. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this high calling we have to image. We, it's not that we don't image, but actually we image the wrong gods. And we're going to get into this next week, but we think we're we're living just for ourselves, but actually we are imaging other spiritual powers if we're not imaging King Jesus. Um, it's, but we, we tend to think like, oh, I'm just not doing enough. I'm not, I'm not working hard enough. I'm not doing enough. But no, actually, we're just we're aligned. Our mirror is aligned with the wrong God. That's, that's actually what's going on. And God has set up things in such a way that because... People are made to reign. We're made to be the ones that, that expand his kingdom and represent him. We're made in his image. Free will is part of who we are. And if there is free will, free will has to have consequences. If there were not consequences for our choices, it wouldn't really be free will. So God has honored us so much that he's given us a freedom to make choices with real consequences. For good and for ill. And so the, the problems in the world are because of that. And we are in a situation where we are born under sin. We're born under the power of sin. There's nothing we can do about that. And that's really where Jesus comes in, is that Jesus is the one who turns things upside down. And Colossians um, 1.15 talks about this. And really, the gospel is a story about an imager, about someone who is the image of God, but who images well. And because of that, he restores our ability to image well. Colossians 1.15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. He is the image. He is the perfect image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. He's the, invisible, the, invisible, uh, the image of the invisible God. He bears the image of God perfectly. And then he's the firstborn of all creation. That because of who Jesus is, it's not just about him, but there are other brothers and sisters that he leads in his wake. And that's really what the gospel is all about, is because of who Jesus is and what he's done, we can be restored to living in the image of God, too. Um, one more verse here. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30. It talks more about how this process works. For God knew his people in advance... And he chose them to become like his son. He chose them to become like his son. So he chose his people to be transformed, to become like him, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. There's a whole lot in here. This is huge. God knew his people in advance. He chose them. He forgave them. He gave them right standing with himself. And then that, that last part, giving them, having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What does glory mean? We think of that word glory. Oftentimes we have these weird like religious interpretations. Like It means like our, we're shining. There's a glow about us. Or the God. We really don't think about it. It's us. We think it's God who has glory, right? Which is true. I mean, God is the glorious one. But here, it says, he gave us his glory. 
And really what it's talking about here is restoring us to be the kind of people we were meant to be who are like God in the world, in our character, in our love, in our relationships, in the way we bring his kingdom in the world around us. And how does that, how does that happen? Um, we're going to lean on the Bible Project people a little bit more, watch a little clip here, and then take it home from there. So watch this clip here. Okay, I love that. I want to bring it home for us, because this is all like, wow, that's big stuff. Like, the image of God, and imaging, and how, well, God's good, but what do I do with that? I want to just think about the question of who are we reflecting? Who are you reflecting? Even, I think, it was funny, the other day we were driving over the Kansas River with our kids, and the Kansas River, if you don't know this, it's one of the ten most polluted rivers in America. Yay, go, go dirty car. It's awesome. Um, it's very, it's muddy. We got a lot of mud here. And I made a comment like, yeah, there's the river, man. It's just, it, it, it's too bad that it's a brown. And then we went over the river, and lo and behold, it was blue. And like, wow, that dirty river when it's positioned just right, it's reflecting the sky. And that really, really, really dirty river is now blue. And that's really how it works with us. It's not about us like trying to clean up our river, but it's about turning to Jesus and aligning ourselves with him and reflecting him, and that's what transforms us. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Apostle Paul talks about this, and he says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. How do we image well? So we look to the sun, as that, that song we sang says. As we contemplate God's glory, as we turn our attention to him and align our lives with him, then his glory comes to us and transforms us. And everything, really, what it, another way to talk about aligning our, or looking to, to Jesus, looking to God, is the whole word faith. It's faith towards God. And when we hear, we hear the word faith, we oftentimes have a very narrow understanding of what that means. We think of faith as, as trust, which it absolutely is. But when you unpack what the word faith means in the Bible, it's the Greek word pistis. And it has a whole range of, of meanings. And we've, uh, here's, here's a list of, of, of some of those. It can mean faith, trust, belief, confidence, 
assurance, conviction, loyalty, fidelity, allegiance, commitment, faithfulness, reliability, and obedience. This is biblical faith. It's yes, it's trusting God, but then it also affects our hearts. And our, our, it's a relationship of devotion. And that is a place, then, it affects our actions. Faith is always connected with, with actions. You don't do actions to prove you have faith, but if you have faith, there are actions. And so, what is our response to the, the gospel? It's always looking to Jesus. And it's always faith in Jesus. And it's this sort of whole breadth of faith that starts with our trust. It's a trust towards him, saying, Jesus, it's not me being good enough. It's you being good enough. You're the righteous one. You went to the cross on behalf of my sins, and I'm trusting who you are. And you, as I trust you, it's your righteousness that becomes my righteousness. It's a place of, of faith that is trusting like that. It's also a place of, of devotion. It's a faith that says, God, I'm devoted to you. I want to I'm, I love you. I'm, I want to be loyal to you. I want to follow you. And as we follow him, we're transformed by him. And that leads to an allegiance, an alignment of our life with him. And as we do that, we give ourselves to, to his purpose in the world. Um, so I just want to pray for us this morning and just ask God, wherever you're at, I just invite you to, to pray with me and say, God, I want to, I want to image you well. Would you increase my, my faith and help me to line up my faith with you and to have a real kind of faith that transforms me and helps me to, to image you in the world? God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your high calling. Thank you that we are the image of God and that you Restore our ability to image you well. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning that you would help us to grow in faith towards you. Lord, we, if, if this is your prayer, just, just in your own words, pray this with me. Say, God, I, I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my devotion to you, my trust towards you, my allegiance towards you. And I want to image you in the world to see your kingdom expanded all around me. Lord, we thank you for this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.